as we begin to sing some of these traditional carols, my hope and encouragement would be to you that we wouldn't just go to a place of nostalgia or of remembering traditions, that these songs might help us to remember, but that we would take these songs that were written hundreds of years ago to still worship and declare glory to the King, to praise God that he sent his son as a baby who grew up to die on a cross and rise from the grave, extending us salvation, and he's coming again. Sing with me. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King.
have little special guests that should be making that. You guys can come out. It is my privilege and honor to introduce to you somebody that's been doing music ministry for over 30 years, has gone all the way around the world. It's a very special guest. Give it up for Mary Rice Hopkins. Good morning. Good, good morning, this, everybody. This is my friend Gringo. My name is Gringo. You want to know what my name means? They do. Uh, I'm green, and I go all over to share the gospel. Go, Gringo, go, 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 go. Yeah, and you're coming to the concert tonight, right? With Excuse me? Kids? Wait, there's a concert tonight? Yeah. What time? 4.30 p.m. Uh, right here. Wait a minute. Here. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I have a lot of things to do. I'm still wrapping gifts. I'm still cooking food and cookies. I'm still shopping, and I think there might be a game on today. Wait, 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 Gringo, I wait. think we need to check your heart. Should we check his heart, kids? All right. Oh, just yeah? a minute. Okay. My heart? He you want my heart? All of her puppets have a heart. You want my heart? Yeah. Oh, oh. I don't know. I think I have the blues in oh, my heart. look it. You've got something in your heart. You want to see what it is? Well, let me show you something first, Mary. Before the holidays, this is how I look. And after the family leaves, this is how I look. Come on, you get it. Yeah, it's, lots of stuff to do. Lots I get the blues. On. Yep, yep. So in my heart. Well, you've got a ooh, an empty toilet paper roll. Well, you Yuck. see, guys. This I is have, not COVID anymore. No, no, you see, I have so many responsibilities and so many things to do at Christmas time, I'm just wiped out. Wiped out, Gringo? Yep. I think you've lost the joy of the Lord. Joy? Yeah. You think I need some joy? Yeah, the Bible says that you have the, that we have the joy of the Lord. And it's what? Yeah. Is Everybody it my... try it with me. We have the joy of the Lord. Is my strength. He is our strength. Oh, That's I need right. some strength so and gonna some coffee. So I'm going to take out this empty toilet paper scripture back in your heart along with an almond joy oh a scripture and an almond joy the and joy of the lord is back. my heart okay so miss mary uh yeah. question who else is coming tonight well my three older brothers yeah I keep dropping things my three older brothers are coming and they played in a band called brush arbor brush many arbor. years ago we all grew up in camarillo yeah we grew up else? in camarillo just up the street on crestview and we're, we're all going to be playing together, and that, that's never, ever They're happened. They're all three going to be here? That's, yeah, that's never, never happened. ever happened, plus a lot of, lot of fun. They all plus you're going to be there, right? Oh, oh, well, yeah. Since the joy of the Lord is my strength, I will be here tonight. And all of you, it's not just for kids. It's for the whole family. In fact, Miss Mary, if you're, uh-oh, I'm going to get rid of the, the blues. blues. It's not the blues. Are you ready, kids? Joseph and Mary Blues, no? Good night. 
here aren't they aren't they fantastic your own Camarillo Community Church kids oh boy oh boy oh boy I love I'm having trouble what's going on you got a candy cane why don't you hold head? those because uh -oh. the lady in the tent's having a heat flash <sighs> okay Darcy Mays doing the puppets okay so uh, uh Mary I happen to love candy canes and do you know Santa Claus is going to be here tonight passing out candy canes and taking oh, pictures with the kids? Why take them to the mall when you have them, when I you know, can have Santa at church, environment. right? Amen? Yeah. yeah. And, and, you, and you know what, Miss Mary? I love candy canes so much. It's like my favorite time at Christmas. I just can't eat enough of them. Candy canes? I eat, I eat my way in candy canes. Well, have you heard the story of the candy cane? The, the story? Yeah. Did you make written, it up? It was written by a man to explain all about Jesus. And he was a candy cane maker, wasn't he? What's he? That's right. So it's a true story? It's a true story. A for real story about the candy canes. Here we go. Staff is for the shepherd of 
Coming tonight. I'm so excited. This is for all ages. And you know what? If, you if you, your friends and yes, your neighbors, But right? if you can't come, you can still buy tickets and leave them at the doors for all those who have big families. What a blessing that would be. Whoa, what's going on? They're putting their candy canes down. Just Drop in candy canes. Oh, that's pretty they're cool. Hey, kids, so, right? <laughs> so I can't wait to see your brothers tonight. I can't wait to see all you kids tonight. We're going to have an awesome time out there on Facebook Live. Come. Get some tickets. Bring the whole fam and all your neighbors. We're going to have a great time. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you. Would you stand with us?
streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Oh Jesus for my family I speak the holy name of Jesus Oh, 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 oh. Jesus from the mountain Jesus in the streets Everywhere you go, 
There's a tree in the Grand Hotel with candy canes and silver lanes that glow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store, but the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Sure, it's. Christmas once more. Man, I gotta tell you, that's gotta be my favorite intro video of all time. It just like brings me calm, you know. It makes me feel good. All I need is like some cookies and a glass of milk. Be awesome. Uh, welcome to our church. Man, I love seeing your kids. One of those girls is like, I'm breaking through strongholds. Love it. Absolutely awesome. So, so cool. Thank you so much for uh, being with us. I know several of you are online with the cold that's been going around. I still have it myself, so I'm trying to gingerly make it through through the second hour. But if you're watching us online from home, welcome as well. We're glad that you're with us. A lot of things to be, um, you know, mindful of this month. Of course, today there's a concert. Uh, make sure you make your way, make your way back. Mary Rice Hopkins, uh, uh, Brush Arbor. So make sure that's not only for uh, children, it's also for adults. And so uh, make Make sure you're here today. And then uh, Christmas Eve, I'd love for you to be thinking and processing right now of that coworker, that neighbor, that person that God's placed in your life with that significant relationship that you know God has planned, kind of a divine appointment for you to invite. And, and we know that more than ever during the Christmas season, people are much more um, receptive to that kind of an invite. So would you consider that? Uh, we're going to have two Christmas Eve gatherings. We're not, miss, we're not meeting on Christmas Day because it falls on Sunday this year. Uh, we're, not miss, we're not meeting on Sunday because Christmas Day falls on it this year. That's the way it goes. Uh, but we are going to do two uh, gathering times for Christmas Eve, and we'd love for you to be there with us on that. So think about uh, who you might be able to invite along the way. Well, we've been in this series. We've called this Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. And the idea has been to take these Christmas symbols that we kind of walk past every year and, and maybe we don't think a lot about, but some of them have a lot of spiritual uh, analogies to them, a lot of spiritual significance to them. And I realize, depending on your upbringing, the nuances of how you experience Christmas might be a little different from the nuances of how I experience Christmas. But uh, on the grander scale, the greater themes are probably shared. Let, let me give you an example. Um, obviously grew up in a Hispanic family. I think I've shared before, uh, my mother and father came from Columbia, South America. They came to the United States, uh, you know, on kind of like student visas, met each other, got married. And, and so their experience of Christmas might probably be a lot different than yours, which makes my experience of Christmas a little bit different than yours too. I have vivid memories of my father saying in Spanish, my father didn't know English. My mother came and learned English and, and totally, uh, uh, you know, kind of, infiltrate into the culture, but my father was having a hard time with that. And I remember as a little boy hearing him say, you know, Santa Claus, you know, Santa Claus. That's Spanish for, I don't know who's Santa Claus. And he couldn't say Santa Claus. He would say Santa Claus. You know, Santa Claus. I don't know who Santa Claus is. I don't even say his name correctly. You know, Santa Claus. Who is Santa Claus? I don't know who he is. You see, in Colombia, South America, when he was raised, and where my mother was raised, there wasn't a Santa Claus. There was a baby Jesus who would come and bring gifts. 
Isn't that beautiful? So the baby Jesus was the one who brought gifts. When he was saying, I don't know who Santa Claus is, Santa Claus never brought me a gift. The baby Jesus brought me a gift. And isn't that a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, who's a savior of the world, bringing gifts, right? So I think it's a beautiful thing in the culture, and yet there's still gift giving there, and there's still Christmas there, but the nuance of it is a little different than the nuance of maybe that you grew up with. I remember as a child, my mom, painstakingly would go out of her way to build this whole nativity scene set. It was like a, took up the majority of the living room. Uh, I, I remember vividly her doing that and then teaching me to do that as my father passed away and then she was a single parent mother working all these jobs. It became my job to build this whole nativity scene. And it was an elaborate setup. I mean, there was like pillows that we put with chairs and then you drape this big old huge brown uh, uh, blanket over it and that became the hillside that, where the manger was and because Jesus had to be born on the hillside. I don't know why, but he had to. And, and, you, and, you, and there was all these animal figurines. You know how you know, little boy, I don't know if they still do this today, but when we were little boys, we had these little, little army figurines. Well, they had the same thing for like the nativity scene. They had all these, and every animal had to be present for the birth of Jesus. I mean, and so you put them everywhere, all on this hill, and you know, and there was the, the there is the the the, uh, you know, the little shed of a place, you know, that was like this humble twelve inch, you know, by ten inch tall little humble little shed of a place where Jesus would be born. I used to think that was the manger, but the manger is actually where he laid. I thought the whole thing was the manger. I didn't understand it all. And so anyway, we put that there. And then there was Mary and Joseph. And of course, you don't put Jesus in the manger until Christmas Day, right? Because that's when he's born. And you have this whole elaborate setup. And the star, you hang it up on the, you know, and all this nativity was the big thing. In my home of origin, it wasn't like, uh, you know, a fancy dancy, uh, what do they call those things, hon? Those Christmas, Christmas village. It was a nativity scene. And you would make the nativity a big, huge deal. My favorite part. And, and to be honest with you, some of these things are nostalgic for me. I wish I had all those figurines. I wish I had that little shed. I don't know, my mother passed away 20 years ago. I don't know what happened to all those things, but I would love to set that back up today. As humble as it was, it was just, it meant Christmas to me. Do you know what my favorite part was? She taught me to roll out some foil, take a blue Sharpie and scribble all over the foil and then scrunch up the foil. And then we'd make a little river somewhere in that nativity scene you know, with a bridge, the wise men could come see Jesus or something, you know, you know. and so and the, the, the animals would be around, but we would make this, and that's my favorite part of the whole thing, is making that little river out of foil, you know. That was my experience of Christmas. That's how I experience it. That's how I remember it. That's how I love it. And now we have all these other things that are really cool, too, and my kids are growing up with even more than, than, than that. A couple weeks ago, a lady in our church came up to me, and she said, thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. You helped like define what Christmas was for me. I go, what do you mean? She goes, oh, I, I, was, I was brought up in Scandinavia. And, and in our Scandinavian family, we would put apples on the tree. Now, if you missed the first message in the series, I encourage you, go back online and watch it, which talks about the Christmas tree and the origin of the Christmas tree and the origins of ornaments and where they all came from. But long story short, they would put apples on the tree. And she goes, I remember putting apples on the tree. I just thought it was because we were poor and we had nothing and we had apples, so we put apples on the tree. But now I understand because of your message, Pastor. Thank you so much. You taught me my Scandinavian upbringings. It represented the sin of the garden. And on the very tree was the basis of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we have sin, 
but a savior is coming in a Eucharist. Remember that? The loaf that would be put on the tree. And then, of course, he's the light of the world and candles would be put on the tree. So she said, thank you for sharing, uh, sharing those little tidbits about that so I could learn more of my culture. That's what Christmas was to her. And I wonder what Christmas has been for you. Like you think back and search back in your own mind, what has Christmas been like for you? What are the, the details, what are the, the, the things that grab in your mind when you think of Christmas for yourself? Well, today we are gonna look at three more Christmas symbols, dive into their spiritual meanings. How do these deeper spiritual meanings affect how we might take in Christmas this year? How could things uh, um, be different this year if we, even more meaningful if we were to take what was said today and actually take it to heart? How is it possible that things that most years we simply pass by without an extra thought, how is it possible they could be so spiritually significant? I hope that that's what you find yourself feeling at the end of our message today. Today we're gonna look at a uh, common thing that we have at Christmas time called the Christmas wreath. Anybody ever seen one of these? Yeah, yeah. Oh, did one fall off? What a bummer. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, we all see these. In fact, uh, many of you may be having one, have one hanging on your door right now. Uh, and every time your door opens, you hear what? Little bells that are attached to the reef, right? I'm gonna ask if we can turn down the lights a little bit because I want you to see very closely here. Can we turn down the lights in the house a little bit? There you go, there you go. Yeah, look at that. Ooh, see that? Now with our technology, we have little LED lights and we light, we light up these things now too, right? Can you see it? Turn it down a little. Let's get it real dark like it's a theater. Ready? Boom. Yeah. I don't know if you can see that at home, but you're missing out. <laughs> Fascinating, right? All right, enough of that. <laughs> uh, but we, we, we're gonna look at the Christmas reef and talk about the Christmas, where does it come from? Where are its origins? And how does it end up being a part of the Christmas scene together? Taking a look at the significance of Christmas symbols, of course, during this series. And the first one we're gonna look at is the Christmas reef. And then we're gonna look at a couple of things that we place on the Christmas reef. All right, so here's the thing. Interestingly enough, interestingly enough, uh, the Christmas wreath is tied to the Christmas tree. And if you're here for week one, you remember that that means that, again, prepare your ears for this, that means that some of these things have, their his, have some, expo, has some historical exposure to paganism. It's just true. All right, but Christians over the centuries have had a history of reconciling and redeeming activities of the world and saying we have a better, fuller meaning of what you're doing. We have a better understanding of what you're doing. Our worldview can explain what you're getting after in a better, we feel, way. And so they would take these things like the tree, turn it into a Christmas tree, like the reef, and turn it into a Christmas reef. Uh, these have their, uh, um, their kind of ancient um, kind of their ancient uh, uh, exposure would be to this uh, ancient fable of where these two gods were kind of wrestling with each other. It was the God of Apollo, a male God, and the God of Daphne, a female God, small g gods. 
And uh, Apollo really wanted Daphne, and Daphne didn't want anything to do with Apollo. And so Daphne said to herself, I'd rather turn myself into a tree than to be yours. And of course, Apollo said, well, great. If you're going to turn yourself into a tree, then you're my tree. <laughs> and that's the story, the ancient fable story of uh, trees. And it was viewed at the time as like, wow. So Daphne actually, it was a survival story. She was able to survive that whole interaction. And so they looked at the tree, the tree as a symbol of survivalism, as a symbol of strength. Now you got to remember ancient times, they were so concerned about getting through the winter solstice. Their, their biggest concern of the year is how do we get through the winter? How do we get through the winter? And so they looked to these stories, these gods, maybe the God, the survival God, God of Daphne, could help us survive through the winter season. And then, of course, they looked at trees that were evergreen because they were always green. No matter what the elements were, they were able to stay green and they were able to survive the elements. And so maybe we could be like a tree. And so this tree became this big thing that they would worship, they would have festivals for, they would have so many symbolic ways. They would have reefs. These reefs would use in Olympic games and they all symbolized all kinds of things like strength, resilience, hope. Maybe this false god can get us through the winter. Christians came along and said, well, listen, we believe that our God can get us through the winter. We believe that our God is evergreen. We believe that our God is, you are looking for the thing that we have, and so we're gonna take some of your symbols and show you how it's better represented in our God. Our source of survival and our source of substance comes from a God outside of this ancient fable. Now, if you ever want to do some more study on this, Time Magazine did an unbelievable article on this on December 21st of 2018. And if you want to go look and dive in that more, I would just encourage you to go search that up. But in around the 16th century, uh, the uh, idea of bringing, cutting trees down and bringing them home became commonplace in northern and eastern European, European, European areas. Uh, lots of trees around, easily cut down and bring them into your home. And so that's what was going on. And what they would do is they would, they would cut these trees down and then they would bring them into their homes. Now, here's the interesting thing. They would need to prune these trees. Uh, they, <laughs> believe it or not, uh, Christmas trees don't grow in perfect isosceles triangles. <laughs> if you don't, if, you're, if you're not a math whiz or geom geometry, isosceles means two congruent sides and a flat base with a, with a, with a 90 degree angle. Okay, never mind. And so, so they didn't grow that way. You had them, you had to take, take a machete and cut them off and you had to prune them. You had to make them look like, like, like a Christmas tree, right? If you go to a regular Christmas tree crop farm, if they look that way, it's because somebody pruned them for you. They, didn't, they don't grow that way. They have to be made into that. And so, and so what they would do is they'd bring them home and they'd set them up and they start pruning them into a tree and they would purposely prune them into a triangle. Do you know why they would do that? Well, the Christians would do it because it re represented their God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In fact, it was a, a way to pay homage to the great Saint Boniface, I'm gonna say Boniface, who used the tree to illustrate the concept of the Trinity. And so your tree itself is a 
representation of the concept of the Trinity. Now, on a complete side note, for those of you guys who are Bible geeks, you can meet me on the patio and we'll talk about this. I do believe the greatest illustration that we have for the triune God is the equilateral triangle. All three sides are equal. All angles are equal because of what that, if you, if you dive into geometry a little bit more and what that means, it's, a, it's probably the best representation, rep, best representation we can have of the triune God. But that's for another day, and if you want to know more, you can talk to me over there, all right? So, but they would build these things in the form of a triangle. And you're saying to yourself, why are you going back over the tree? You did this two weeks ago. Why are you going back over the tree? I'll tell you why. Because guess what they did with the trimmings of the tree? Boom. They made it into a reef. Not unlike uh, native cultures that, that, that want to make sure that everything that was sacrificed, let's say an animal sacrificed its life, so that they could have sustenance, and they would want to use every single little minute detail of that animal to make sure nothing was wasted. So too did Christians say, if we're going to trim the tree, we want to use the trimmings of the tree. And the way they would use the trimmings of the tree is they would turn it into a reef. It was really first made as an ornament, circular in nature. It can fit on any branch of any tree. That was the first. But then it became, it became used to be represent divine perfection, eternity, as its shape has no end. If you have a wedding ring on right now, I encourage you to just take it off for a second if you can. And uh, you'll see that it's circular in nature. Can you, can you maybe get a close-up on that? I know it's real small. Is the cameraman able to get a close-up? No, we're not. And so anyway, <laughs> maybe if I put it in the blue. Can you see in the blue? There you go. We can see in the blue. There. See that? Circular, circular in nature, has no beginning, has no end. Did you know that your marriage represented in a ring is meant to represent that you will, oops, turn this way, there we go. Uh, you will can be committed to your spouse forever. That's what the circle of a ring is. And just like that circle represents forever, so does the reef with the lights represent an eternal God who is forever having an eternity past living in the present and have an eternity in the future, which by the way is the very nature of God. He cannot be God unless he's been in existence for eternity in the past. He's present right now and he will be ever present in the future. And so this is the eternal God, divine perfection, eternity, has no end. All things eternal are represented by him. Our eternal life is represented based on the fact that he is eternal. And so he cannot have a beginning, and he can't have an end, and he doesn't play by our rules, but the time-space continuum, he's outside of it. And so yes, how long has God lived? Forever. How long will he live? Forever. Well, how can it be a forever in the past? Because it is. How can it be a forever in the future? Because it is. That's the very definition of God. He's outside of our space and time continuum. He is forever. I am who am, according to the scriptures. I don't have a beginning. I don't have an end. I want to show you some passages that reflect this in the scriptures. Isaiah 28 and verse 40. I will put that on the screen. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the what? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere. He's ever-existent. 
Everlasting is our key word. Psalm uh, chapter 90 and verse two says this, before the mountains were brought forth or ever uh, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to what? Everlasting from eternity past to eternity future, you are who? God. And then we get this in Revelation in the New Testament, chapter one, verse eight. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the beginning, the end of the uh, of the uh, um, uh, the alphabet in Greek. Uh, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is what to come. He's always been. He's the Almighty. At the end of Revelation, chapter twenty-two, again we see it. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the. And the reef was to symbolize in a circular fashion that he's eternal. Our God is eternal. And of course, the evergreen was to emulate that as well. How does it stay evergreen? How does he stay ever eternal? He just is. How does he have this strength? He just is. And so this became symbolic of God, the eternal God. And it became the basis or the, the kind of housing for the, the Christmas candles. How many of you guys have in your house right now a wreath with four candles on it? And every week of Advent, you light a candle. The first three candles are purple in nature. They represent hope, peace, and love. The fourth candle is red, and it is lit, and it represents Christ's work on the cross of dying for our sin. And then of course there's the Christ candle. You take the four candles, you light them up together. The last one is white, representing that Christ is the light of the world. And if you come back on Christmas Eve, we will light that together and pass it around as we do a little candle light service to represent Christ is the light of the world. All these things have symbolism, spiritual symbolism that have unbelievable um, ramifications for our faith. Well, the Christmas wreath is often, um, in a Christmas wreath, you'll have a Christmas holly. That's the second item we're going to look at today. The Christmas holly. Take a look deeper at, at Christmas items, or take a look at the significance of Christmas symbols. The Christmas holly is the next one. How many even know what a Christmas holly is? Yeah, I know. That one's kind of way out there. Uh, maybe, I mean, if, if you... Uh, those of you who are really in the legacy crowd and like, yeah, we believe in the best of the best. We know everything Christian. You'll know what a Christian holly is. I'll show you a picture of what a Christmas holly is. We'll put it on the screen for you so you can see. That's a Christmas holly. And oftentimes you'll see them on a reef. And a Christmas holly is rather interesting because it's, a, it's got like these little leaves. You see the ridges on them? If you get too close and you prick your finger, it'll prick your finger. Like they, they'll stab you. You know, it's almost like going to a rose bush. You know, it's beautiful roses, but it'll stab you, you know, type of thing. You ever been in the garden and, and been really disappointed afterwards? Kind of thing. And so they'll have these, and they have these little red berries. Well, what do these signify? Well, interestingly enough, the thorns on these leaves represent the thorns of the crown that would be placed on Jesus' head. And the red berries, or whatever you call those things, represents the blood that would be shed on our behalf. I want to show you these red pods represent his blood. I want to show you Matthew chapter 27 and verse 29. It says this, and twisting, a crown of, uh, uh, twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and they put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, hail to the king of the Jews. And they spit on him. They took the reed and they struck him on the head with it. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe, put his clothes back on him and led him away to be what? To be crucified. Even from the very beginning on, the, on this wreath, 
are these hollies that represent the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. That's what you see on wreaths, even today. Christmas was and is a time to celebrate the birth of the king, no question. But you must remember that king came to die on our behalf. Even at Christmas time, we're still having symbols that remind us of that. And finally, the third item as it relates to uh, things that would be on a reef are Christmas bells. You heard them, right? If you open your door every day, you'll hear that. Um, often when you go to the store, you hear bells. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, there's songs about Christmas bells. Does anybody know what the Christmas bells mean? What are they for? What do they symbolize? Believe it or not, it's not just to remind you there's a person dressed in white at, after you leave the store who wants your money. There's more to the Christmas bells than that. Like... An angel gets his wings every time you ring a bell. Um, no, that's incorrect. <laughs> Taking a look at the significance of Christmas symbols, Christmas bells is our last one. And I want to show you this because this is actually where it comes from. This comes out of Luke chapter 2, which is the Christmas passage, right? Uh, for unto you a child, uh, for unto you, uh, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ, the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, which isn't the house. It's the actual place where he lays down. That's funny for me. Anyway, and suddenly there was a... a, a an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those whom he's pleased. The angels brought about an announcement of the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter two. And so we use bells to represent that the Christmas season is here. And the purpose of the Christmas season is that the Savior would be born. And so how do we signify the season of hope and peace and love? How do we signify the season of giving because we've been given a, such a great sacrifice? How do we show rejoicing over the re arrival of redemption? We ring bells. And so when the bells ring on the reef, you know Christmas time is here, which represents a Savior being born so that we could be made right with God. Well, this brings me to the big idea. I'll be on the screen for us. It says this, Christmas symbols should cause us to pause and reflect on spiritual things. Man, we've seen this with the candy cane, with the tree. We're looking at stockings next week. We'll look at gifts on Christmas Eve, unwrapping gifts together. Christmas symbols should cause us to pause and reflect on spiritual things. My wife heard the first message about the Christmas tree and the apple and the wafer and the, and the candles and she bought um, some new ornaments. And last night with our family, we sat down together and we talked about what the apple represents, what the wafer represents, and what the candles represent, which is so cool now because you get LED, you can turn on the lights with your, you know, in your pocket. And we had the kids put on our tree some more ornaments that the origin of ornaments was the gospel of Jesus Christ is amazing to me. And so we talked about the truer meaning of these ornaments, put them on the tree, and we celebrate the gospel in the midst of our Christmas tree. Christmas symbols should cause us to pause and reflect on spiritual things. Now let me, let, me, let me see if I can illustrate for you how this might make things a little more different, maybe even more meaningful this year, this Christmas season. 
I want you to imagine with me, kind of going back to your mind right now, I want you to imagine me driving, at some point many of you will, later this month or this week, driving to Thousand Oaks and going to the Thousand Oaks Mall. And you're walking in, you're listening to everybody. There's a hustle and bustle of everybody's shopping, everybody's trying to get gifts for everyone. And that's why you're there too. And you're walking through and you hear the Christmas bells and you hear the Christmas music and you head towards the center atrium. And the center atrium is this interesting device that spins things in circles and they have a huge, huge Christmas wreath, a larger than life Christmas wreath so everybody can see. And because it's, hooked on to this contraption that spins it around in circles. No matter where you are in the atrium, you can see, as it's decorated on both sides, this beautiful Christmas tree. And while everybody is running their spots and going to the Apple store to get the new Apple phone or get the, get, get the, get the watch to match your phone or, or heading to Sephora to get some of the latest makeup or Mac counter, that's my homage to women, or going to the shoe shop to get shoes or the latest hat or the latest... 49er jersey to represent the best team in America, whatever it might be. Instead of just going straight to the store, you pause and you look up and you see this larger than life reef as it turns. And as you're looking at it, you notice some things. It's made out of evergreen. symbolic of strength and the ability to make it through the elements. And you say to yourself, my God is strong and he is the one who provides me my strength. Amen. Do you know what amen means? Just, I agree, I believe. Yes, it is so, I'm in agreement with. And you keep on looking as it spins. And you go, wow, it's a big, huge circle representing no beginning and no end. My God is the eternal one. Having preexisted in eternity past, he's alive and present today, and he will continue to be in existence in eternity future. Amen. I agree. I believe that's true. And as you keep on looking at it, as it's spinning around in circles, you actually see holly on it, the prickly leaf that represents the crown of thorns on his head, the, the red pods that represent his blood. And you're there at the mall going, amen. The only way I can have a relationship with God is through that sacrifice. Yes, I agree, and I believe. And as you look further, you see these bells that ring and signify that Jesus came and he really is alive and he really did sacrifice himself. There's a way to be made right with God. And you say, amen. Yes, it happened. Yes, I believe. And what's so interesting about this, if the secular entities know or knew the spiritual significance of the items that they're putting up in their very stores, they might stop because it's too religious. But we know and we say, amen. You know, um, I'll just get you a picture into my mind as a pastor. Usually when we come up with these messages, we try to think of things to keep people's attention. Put the lights to turn on. 
We're usually thinking of two categories of people. One category is people who've been going to our church for many years, who've known Jesus for many years, who need um, to be encouraged, exhorted, and challenged to go deeper in their faith. Uh, they, they, they buy in completely. They believe the word of God. And, 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 and what do I give them to take the next step in their understanding for God? And that's something that's very prevalent in my mind. If we're on our A-game, we're also thinking of another crowd, people coming off the street and don't know anything about Jesus Christ. And like this whole religious thing, I don't even know what it is. I come in, and if we're doing really well, we define all of our terms while we're speaking so that that person can know exactly what we're saying and they can find an easy on-ramp to Jesus. And if you're here or maybe watching online right now, I would just tell you the Christmas season is all about our worldview that says that we do not deserve God. And most people agree with that. They would say to themselves, of course I don't deserve God. If God is God and he is real, then he's better than I am, he's holier than I am, he's more righteous than I am, I pale in comparison. And so the Christmas season is all about the Savior who was born, who sacrifices his life on our behalf, that if we would place our faith in him and believe on his work on the cross rather than our own works, you don't have to stand before God and give an account for your own life. That's what it's about. Most of us say, I don't want to have to give an account for my past. I know I will not measure up to God and God says I'll give you a way out I'll take all of your activity of the past the present the future I'll place it on Jesus Christ I will satisfy my wrath on him he will take your penalty and then I'm going to give you credit for the righteous life that he lived that you could never live and that way he can say of you you are my righteous child even though he knows everything you're my righteous child because I've taken and transferred the righteousness of Christ onto your account. That is what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. That's what we celebrate the inauguration of at Christmas time. That the Savior came and he took care of our most fundamental need. Believe it or not, you have a bigger need than making the rent next month. You have a bigger need than where your career will take you. You have a greater need and that is a spiritual need to be made right with God. And there's a way to be made right. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved according to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. You put your faith in that, he'll save you. Those are the two categories of people that we usually think of, but there's a third category and to my own failure, I don't talk about it enough. And that third category are people who were brought up in this thing went to church often. Their parents took them all the time. They know Bible verses better than their pastor because I didn't grow up in this thing. They knew all the stories better than their pastor. They know all this Christmas holly stuff I just learned this week because they grew up in it. And somewhere in their teenage, young adult years, they veer off. They go in their own direction. And sometimes during this season, they end up back at church. Whether it's watching online, whether it's coming with mom or dad or grandpa, just out of respect for them. And they wonder to themselves, does God really want me? I, I, I knew the truth and I went the wrong direction. It's one thing to not know the truth and go the wrong direction and then get saved or whatever. I knew it. I knew it. I still went my own way. He didn't want me. If you're here and that's you, and you're listening to that and that's resonating with your heart. Can I just remind you that all the symbols of Christmas apply to you too. He is the God of strength. 
He is the eternal God. He is the God who sent his son to die with a crown of thorns for you, that his blood would be shed for you. The apples on the tree are your and my sin. The Eucharist on the tree was a sacrifice for you. The, the candles on the tree are all to symbolize that he's the light of the world, not just the world, but for you. And he's not surprised that you took a left turn. It didn't shock him. He didn't wake up and go, oh my gosh, I didn't expect that one to happen. He's God. He knew. And why don't you just take that step back and see if he'll receive you again and see if we might be the embodiment of that as we receive you again as well. Is that you? Is that where you're at? The Christmas bells could be all about reminding you that he came for you, not just someone else. Why not you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Christmas symbols should cause us to pause and reflect on spiritual things. Some of us may not have done that for 20 years and feel guilty because we should have. And yet, God sacrificed his son for you. Father, we love you. I'm thankful for the meaning of these symbols. It's made Christmas a little bit more special for me this year. It really has. It's not just about putting up these things that are a chore, but it's about thinking about the symbolism that they have spiritually. I pray that that same kind of activity is happening in everybody's hearts, whether they know Jesus, don't know Jesus, or are turning to Jesus, that somehow you would allow these symbols to do something in our heart like hasn't happened in years. We ask you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. So he talked about three categories of people that may be here in this auditorium or maybe at home watching on online. If you're category two, you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, but you're, you're, you're here or you're watching because there's something about this Christmas season. God's working in your heart. Maybe for the first time you recognize that you have a debt that you owe God, that you can't pay. And Jesus is the answer, and you come to realize that. Well, if you're in this category and you're at this point in your spiritual journey, we wanna say congratulations and um, God bless you. And not only that, but we wanna be a part of that journey with you. So if you're here on, on site and that's you, please check in with the welcome counter in the lobby and uh, tell them that you're a category two that is seeking after Jesus, that you have this debt that, that only he can pay and you want him to pay that so that you can have this relationship with God for eternity. So please let us know. If you're at home, um, go on our website, check out the next steps page and let us know there. We want to we want to walk this journey with you. We want to, it would be an honor to uh, be part of that journey with you. So please let us know. If you're category three, and this is a time where you could turn back and uh, come back to your roots, I would encourage you to do that. And let us know that also, please, because we want to walk that journey with you. And we want to be a part of the, 
restoration. Uh, so let us know that. Also at this time in our service, we're going to continue in worship through uh, offering, giving back to God. God is such a generous God, and he gave us his son just for this um, means to come back to him. And to be like God is to be generous. So at this time, uh, we can be generous, give back to God, and worship him. Uh, also, um, just remember what's going on this afternoon. Please, please uh, consider coming. So check out this video about the things coming up here at Camarillo Community Church. Good morning. I'm Clara Chisholm, and I'm part of the high school ministry here at CamCC. I'm so glad you are here. If you are a first, second, or third time guest, we have some fantastic gifts for you to thank you for hanging out with us today. It's like Christmas came early. I'm talking Starbucks gift cards, mugs, and dessert. Go to the welcome counter in the lobby with your connection card, or if you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. This Christmas season is a great time to invite friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors to join you at the many great up-and-coming things here at CamCC. Sunday, December 11th, Pictures with Santa. Following both gathering hours, 9 and 1045, get your family picture with Santa for free. Don't wait in long lines at the mall. Show up looking Christmassy and you will have the perfect cover for your annual Christmas card. Bring a family to join you and your smiles. Sunday, December 11th, 4.30 p.m., award-winning artist Mary Rice Hopkins featuring Brush Arbor performing hits and holiday favorites for the entire family to enjoy. She will be joined by special guest Puppets with a Heart by Darcy Mays, as seen on TBN. Tickets and packages available at camcc.net. Saturday, December 17th, 5.30 to 9.30 p.m. Parents Night Out. Drop off your kids here at the church and enjoy a date night out. Or maybe you need to finish your Christmas shopping or wrapping. This is your night. Donations accepted and will help fund Awana Summer Camp. For questions, contact awana at camcc.net. Saturday, December 24th. Christmas Eve candlelight gatherings, 4 and 6 p.m. Join us for our dynamic and powerful Christmas Eve gathering with upbeat live music, delicious holiday sweet treats, festive family photos, and classic carols. Child care will be provided for birth to pre-K. This will be an evening you will not want to miss. We will not be holding gatherings on Christmas Day so that you can all spend time with your families, which is why we are offering two gatherings on Christmas Eve. So get here early to get a seat. Who will you ask to join you as a guest? Sunday, January 15th, baptisms. We will be having baptisms for both worship gatherings. If you would like to take the next step in your faith, mark your connection card baptism or go to camcc.net slash next steps and Pastor Daryl will get in touch with you or answer any questions you may have. You don't even have to sign up. We will have everything you need if you decide to make the decision that morning. A true outward expression of an inward change. For more info, contact Daryl at camcc.net. To stay in the loop of what's going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to CamCC.net. My name is Megan Terryberry, and I'm one of the worship leaders here at CamCC. We're so glad that you spent the morning with us. 
Something that I got out of the message from Pastor Dave was that these symbols are for everyone. They're for the believer, they're for those that maybe don't know Christ, and they're for those that maybe aren't as steady in their faith as they once were. Something that I was really encouraged by were the bells, the sleigh bells. I want to ring them high and ring them loud and tell everyone the good news and the gospel story. And one way that we can do that now is invite all your friends and family to our, I almost said Thanksgiving, to our Christmas Eve service. Um, also, for your guests, if it's your first, second, or third time here, please go to our welcome counter in the lobby. We have some gifts for you, or if you're online, you can fill out that connection card. Remember, tonight, we're going to have such a fun time. We're going to have Mary Rice Hopkins here, and the Brush Harbor Band, too, and that's going to be a really historic time, and it's for the whole family, not just for the kids. And like it was mentioned earlier, if you're not going to go, maybe buy an extra ticket for some of those larger families, and that's a way that you can bless those around you. Um, for right now, go grab a donut, have some coffee, and hang out in the patio. Have a great week.